Hello and welcome to another episode of Tonal Whiplash. I'm your host Laura, this is an interview podcast. I get guests on, we ask serious questions then silly questions. It's a pretty simple concept. Who are you today, special guest? I am Brent Black, also known to some as Brentlefloss. Hello. Hello. Uh, yeah, so you've, you've done many a thing on the internet that, like, I, I think there are several avenues that people might know you for. Do you, do you want to rattle down, like, the various categories of sure. internet thing you've done? Sure. So my career started on YouTube with a channel called Brentlefloss. My flagship brand is called the With Lyrics series, where I take video game tunes from our various childhoods and add satirical lyrics in kind of a Weird Al form, but I would like to think sexier than that. Um, (laughs) And I am the co-host of a news and politics digest every week called Trends Like These, um, to a lesser extent on the internet, but I am also the designer and co-creator of a comedy party game called Use Your Words, which you, Laura, were at certain points instrumental in helping me uh, find some direction with. Um, I helped point out some game things because I, I I know a bit about games apparently. <laughs> Indeed, and it was always appreciated. And I also happen to be semi secretly developing a uh, Star Trek musical parody. That yeah, uh, anyone. It's, it's not a, not a huge secret. People who followed your stuff have heard yeah rumblings about it. <laughs> it's it's more like I'm 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 yet to really open myself up to the copyright holders knowing yes. um, until I have it really where I want it in terms of being, uh, let's say, the likeliest candidate for uh, to skirt legal action. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Um, and do you want to start by maybe talking a little bit about how you got into that YouTube stuff that you did under the Brentlefloss name? Sure. Um, I mean, you know, I started making videos just because I realized there was a place to upload videos and my computer had a built-in uh, camera and mic. So it started out with me just experimenting with brands. I This will show you how far I've come politically. In 2006, I made a video where I branded myself as Brent the Foul-Mouthed Moderate, and it was just the idea of sort of centrist rants trying to unify people. That went exactly nowhere. Um, <laughs> other things I did were, you know, doing a, an old video game tune as a piano piece, and that would do pretty well. So in 2008... I was teaching a summer youth arts program, it's basically songwriting for the theater uh, for children. And so I was steeped in music and lyrics, and I just got the uh, title theme from Mega Man 3, the 1990 Capcom game on the NES, Mega Man 3, stuck in my head. And I think it's one of the best pieces of music of the 20th century. No joke, it's great. And I just started writing lyrics for it and slapped together this very shoddy, primitive little YouTube video, and it got 10,000 views in a weekend, which um, was more than I'd ever gotten in that time. And and I think that it's fair to say in 2008 YouTube, much more significant than than now, 10,000 in a weekend. Um, And so really, I just kept doing that. Uh, there, There was the need for attention element. I was collaborating, and it was a somewhat tumultuous collaboration on an off-Broadway show at the time, and this was a way for me to just make something that was mine and mine alone. And then by 2010, I had there had been enough demand for an album that I released an album, and it charted on the iTunes and Billboard comedy charts, and the the thing became a full-time job. So it was yeah. a, it was a real stumble into it, I have to say. Yeah. Uh, 
complete change of direction. Time for a nice silly icebreaker question. Uh, this mm-hmm. is one. Of, this is one of my favourite ones to ask people. I always enjoy this one. Mm-hmm. Do you have any fashion choices from your past that you look back on today and just cringe? <laughs> yes, I had a strange Hawaiian shirt phase. My junior <laughs> year, my third year of high school, right around seventeen years old. Um, I don't know why, very loud colors, and my grandma would take me shopping for clothes. And, you know, to her credit, she really just went along with whatever I thought was cool. But uh, let's just say I have donated probably all but one of those wardrobe <laughs> choices to various thrift stores, etc. <laughs> um, so yeah, going back to your work a little bit, that Brent of Loss was, I think, what you were known for doing most for quite a long time but that's definitely something that's quietened down in the in the past few years it's something that you don't do nearly so much of anymore do you mind talking a little bit about what happened there what what the sure, sort of tail off sure. on that was so there's this buzzword um particularly in the online media community um and has been for the last year or two which is burnout and the idea that particularly um i think particularly video production but also certainly Anyone in this economy of devaluing creative work and making it more of a factory and making it where everyone has to work harder for less. Mm. Um, I I think to get a little personal, I think that the trigger was a breakup. Um, I was really actually very diligent about regular uploads for most of 20 – well, for the middle of 2014 – and making unprecedented amounts of money because when you do that, that's what happens, at least in 2014 YouTube. Um, and I had a breakup and it just sort of screeched to a halt. And it happened that I, I mean, my depression runs in my family. I I'm, I can't diagnose that my depression uh, was triggered by a breakup because after a while it certainly wasn't to do with the breakup. But there was part of that and there was also just like, this sense of, you know, for at that point, six years, four years full time, my job had been find a game with a cool song, play it, write down notes, write lyrics, do the entire process of making a music video, typically by myself. And I thought I have as I have a dramatic storyteller side that is not being served. I have other projects that I really want to try and I just don't want to wait so long continuing to do this that I've branded myself as that forever. Like, yeah. Weird Al could have written a dramatic play and mm. gotten away with it. And while he still could, it would seem left field. But if he had done that after an album or two, people would be like, oh, interesting. Um, but after a while, you just you continue to tell the world, this is all I do. Yeah, and, and at, you you reach a point where no one wants anything else from you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I never wanted to be what I call Kelsey Grammer, which is uh, uh. just I I think that people only want him to be Frasier because he was for twenty years. Yeah. Bless his heart, he's trying to be other things, but his most successful roles since then have been Frasier-like, and I don't want to do that to myself. So. Yeah. I I I don't think that's even necessarily unfair of the people who want that. I think there's. There's a certain tendency, if you enjoy someone's creative work, to see any attempt to do something new as taking away from the thing you like. It's that sort of mentality of, well, you could have spent that time on thing I like, so why didn't you? 
Right. You're creating a product, but this, the nature of YouTube, the way I did it, was the product very much included myself. Yeah. Whether it was just my voice or my physical presence, it was me. And so I did make myself into a product. That's just a just part of the business. Um, yeah. You are a consumable item. And so I don't blame people like you said. Like if, if somebody just really likes, you know, uh, Hershey bars – and then Hershey goes, you know what? We're going in an entirely different direction. These are going to actually be uh, fruit bars with white chocolate only. Fruit inside them, white chocolate. We're doing away with the thing you you showed up yeah. for. And they go, well, hey, wait, I, I like that. And so I don't blame anyone. And there are still people that ask about new lyrics videos. And I wouldn't um, rule out a sort of reunion with myself album yeah. or even, you know, a video comeback at some point. It's just that I really needed to go and do other things I yeah. had dreamed of doing growing up rather than rather than a very creative freelance thing becoming a kind of day job. Yeah, becoming the you're doing it because you have to, not because it's that thing you wanted to do. Right, yeah. right. Because, like, in theory, someone who does a nine-to-five gets health benefits, at least in the States, gets yeah. health benefits and... <laughs> a pension and helped out with other things. And the choice for me to do a job where I have no job security, I pay my own health insurance yeah. and I have to sail where the wind may take me financially. It's like, if I'm already doing that, why feel like I'm going to the factory every day? Yeah, exactly. Why, why not get yourself in a position where you can make the, the do whatever you want to do in a day? That's right. yeah. Uh, time to jump back to a completely non work related question. Mm -hmm. Do you have any weird things that you can do as a human being? Like people who can lick their elbows, for example. Can you do anything weird with your body? Um, certainly. Um, so this is a very strange one, and I hope I can demonstrate it. It's been a while. Perhaps in the UK, but certainly in the United States, in the early to mid-90s, there was a kiosk you would see in drug stores or department stores called Create-A-Card. And it looked kind of like an arcade cabinet, except that the screen was at eye level. And it was one of the first touch screens that had ever been part of a, you know, mass mm. uh, a product that was visible everywhere and not just some piece of, you know, proprietary technology. Um, and so you would just, you know, use this touch screen to customize a greeting card with sometimes the text you want, or you can change the name, you can pick from a list. And then this incredible printer that they they put glass over it so you could see it printing would finish your card. But as I remember it, the and I am getting to how this has to do with my body. Um, <laughs> as As I remember it, the printer essentially looked like a bunch of servo robot uh, fine tip colored markers and so they would move so fast and as a kid I developed this weird way of sucking air into my mouth that sounded exactly like <laughs> the create a card printer so here's my impression of the create a card printer <laughs> that's what it sounded like um <laughs> And so that's a, a weird thing my body can do. That is indeed a weird thing that your body can do. Fascinating. <laughs> um, 
So yeah, in terms of more recent stuff you've been working on, you mentioned earlier Usual Words. Do you fancy talking a little bit about about how you got into making that and what that whole process was like? Sure. I had thought for years about wanting to make a video game. Um, but you know, the thing about people that want to make video games but have no background in it is they often have a you know, an idea they think is genius, but they don't realize it's not a gameplay mechanic. Yeah. <laughs> um, like, oh, I've got a great idea for a story, and it's like they don't realize the best, most of the best games ever made, the story is an extremely flimsy pretext to get to the jumping and bouncing or whatever you're doing. Mm. Um, so the ideas I'd had never went anywhere, but I happened to be stuck at a convention called MAGFest in early 2015, and everyone gathered around the one hotel room we could stay in of, you know, of the friend who'd, who'd also booked for Monday. It was a snowstorm, I should say, that kept us there. But we all played this game called Fibbage, which is a Jackbox game that, for listeners who don't know, is a very Balderdash-like game where you try to make up a lie uh, that, your, that your other players will believe in response to sort of a trivia question. And... You use a smartphone or other internet-enabled device as your input device. So instead of passing around pieces of paper and knowing everyone's handwriting, you just text it in and it talks to the console. And so playing this, I was like, oh, my God. If this technology is replicable, I could make the ultimate comedy party game because that's a genre I like. Um, despite the problematic elements of Cards Against Humanity, it was a favorite of mine for a while. Um, I would say there was a game called Quip It, which was a DVD-based game in the 2003 and four that wasn't very good, but we loved it because it gave us an outlet to try to make the funnier joke than our friend who was playing with us and mm. get points. Um, and Balderdash can be played in such a way as well. Yeah. There's a couple other of these. But I just thought, this could be the absolute ultimate version of that concept. So I contacted my buddy Julian Spillane, who's Toronto-based. He has He's a veteran game designer. He's designed titles for, uh, I think, platforms on all existing major game platform companies, um, as well as uh, apps and things like that. So he really had a background in that. And now I will say... A matter of weeks after we shook hands and decided to jump in on this, Jackbox uh, announced a game called Quiplash, which (laughs) seemed to be a potential competitor. Um, And we just pressed on, knowing that we will roll with the punches and make ours unique. We have been accused of, quote, ripping off Quiplash because our game came out uh, ultimately about a year and a half after theirs did. And, you know, it's just one of those things where almost like synchronicity, zeitgeist kind of thing. Like, it was just time. Um, I respect Jackbox very much. I happen to think Use Your Words is is holistically more fun for more people rather than Quiplash surely requiring you to be funny uh, as a personality trait. You know, we call Use Your Words a game for uh, funny people and their unfunny friends, which we really tried to make it true. Um, but, yeah, you know, like... For me, it wasn't learning to code. It, was, it wasn't It was really uh, developing a whole lot of new skills, but I did get much better at spreadsheets. Um, but, you know, it was really a matter of figuring out the science of writing incomplete jokes that even 
uh, an unfunny person can complete and figuring out a way to put them at ease, the psychological element of not putting pressure on someone to be funny, but rather inviting them to the fun of being funny. Um, and I, I learned a lot. I learned way more than I ever wanted to know about comedy, including the dark underbelly of the nature of comedy. Um, but, uh, yeah, and it came out in the spring of 2017. We've updated it. We're working on a patch for all consoles, uh, or most of our platforms, rather, that includes French content because we did very well in France. And, uh, yeah, I, I'd like to see a sequel in the future, though I can't comment on the uh, potential for that kind of thing. Of course, yeah. Um, so taking a complete non-work turn again, if you had the ability to just magically change one thing about the world that ultimately wouldn't make the world better for most people, but just would make things better for you, what would you do? Oh, something that would make things better for me. There are so many potential answers, but... The one that I think is perhaps the most interesting is I wish musical theater were a more popular art form. It's uh. it's not quite it's not quite on uh, its deathbed, but it is it, it was the place from which pop songs came uh, yeah. from about the the forties to petering out around the seventies eighties. It, it, most of the standards, the jazz standards and, you know, Frank Sinatra songs, um, most of them came from musical theater. Even if the show is long since forgotten, if you have a favorite song from that era, it's a, I mean, probably 50% chance that it came from a musical. And the yeah. form was very popular. There were many more movie musicals. And so the the tragedy of the fact that I am literally uh, by trade a musical theater writer as I have a, 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 a master's degree in that exact uh, study, course of study. Um, musical theater is by its nature more niche today. Um, and mm. much of it is making fun of the form in a meta way, which I can't say that I, I mean, I'm a little bit guilty of in the show I'm working on. Um, it's sort of like a love letter but sometimes you're not really breaking ground. You're you're commenting on what's come before and celebrating it. But were it a more popular art form, if nothing else, I'd have more people around me that, you know, I could sing along the words of some obscure show with. And probably my uh, show I'm working on would just make more money. So yeah. that's that's just one of them. That's, that, that, that's a nice answer. So just magically the world would would have more access to and popularity of musical theatre. That's, a, that's yeah. a nice vision of the world. Thanks. <laughs> um, so yeah, in terms of other stuff that people might know you from the internet, you mentioned earlier that you are on a uh, a, a news political recap podcast. Do you want to talk a little mm -hmm. bit about trends like these? Sure. Uh, so in 2015, which, you know, to, to trace back to what I was saying earlier... I really had a hard time doing music around this time. I had a hard time uh, just I really it was really pulling teeth to get a new music video out for YouTube. And my old friend, Travis McElroy, who at the time um, was starting to explode even beyond his popular My Brother, My Brother and Me podcast. Uh, he had just begun with his brothers and dad, The Adventure Zone, which is now 
just this internationally mega famous mm. explosive thing. Um, and he said he came and visited me for a few days around St. Patrick's Day 2015. And over some drinks, he said, Brent, we've been dancing around this long enough. Let's do a podcast. And I was like, we have not been dancing around it. You have been asking about it for the past few years. I have not been dancing. Um, but I thought about it. I thought about the fact that I don't get enough opportunities to talk to this, you know, one of my best friends and that every week would be pretty cool. The fact that, I mean, I, just to be cynical, when you already have a friendship with someone and you're looking to branch out and do new things, um, the fact that they're that suddenly they're not riding your coattails and they have pretty big coattails is not so bad of a reason, you know, the, the cherry on top. So his concept was covering trending news and, you know, it started out being a lot of stuff like uh, – what happened? What did The Rock do on Instagram this week? Or is the dress blue or is it gold? And I, you know, I had a rough start. The podcasting form is really not my um, natural place to be creative because, as you've personally seen, if I'm on stage and it's just me with an audience, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty, mm. uh, I think there's a certain charm and fluidity to the brain that turns on that I can't even do in partnered or group improv. Um, but without the audience there, just speaking into a mic and not being able to see uh, my co-host, certainly not hear or sense the audience's reaction, made me very anxious. So it took me a while to get used to that. Um, anyone that goes back and listens to the first year of trends like these will notice a lot more stuttering and a lot more just me doing that thing where you're like, uh, 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 you know, that weird like quasi barf sounding. I'm trying to figure out what I'm saying, but I don't want to lose the floor to Travis because he'll interrupt me kind of sound. Um, <laughs> but then Trump got elected mm. and this phenomenon happened, which I felt very conflicted about at the time. Our listenership tripled very quickly. Yeah. And so I went like, I don't want to profit off this national fucking tragedy, but what am I going to do? So I turned very serious with most of my coverage and would do these uh, admittedly extended think pieces about what was going on. And, and I just felt a responsibility to inform our listeners what was really going on as best I could. And so we rolled along and sang a song until Me Too. Uh, by that, I mean until that movement and the awareness of it sort of exploded with Harvey mm. Firestein. Um, and we just came to a point where, where we were like, we need we need a woman's voice and a woman's perspective, mm. um, or at least a non-straight white cis guy, uh, of which we are two. And we just really lucked out with this... Um, guest spot that I wasn't even on with Travis and Courtney Enlow, mm. who's a writer and uh, I would say burgeoning internet personality. And she just, you know, when I listened to the segment, I was like, wow, she's funny. She is quick. She is really good. And we just kept having her on every week until the, um, the fun drive. I think it was something like, God, it was months of just conveniently having her on. And eventually we just asked her to be a, a host. And so now it's three of us. Um, the, the nature of political discussions has changed because Courtney and I have a few places where we butt heads. But ultimately it's good. Uh, I think a lot of our listeners who are not exactly the profile of Travis and I are um, 
they their experience is enhanced by having someone with their perspectives. And Courtney's also queer, which is a thing yeah. that I I feel like I am very comfortable and fluid in that community. But I just I just don't think I can put that sticker on myself. Um, yeah. And I think that someone who actually um, has lived that experience just has a different viewpoint. So mm. now we are uh, a good combination of pop culture and political news and just sort of trying to debunk the clickbait headlines and even like the the headlines in major publications that still function as clickbait and mislead you. We try to go beyond them and have a little fun along the way. Wonderful. And to wrap up, I've got one final completely unrelated to your work question to end us off on. If there was one skill that you could become an expert in, you have your 10,000 hours practice, you've, you've made it over that benchmark, without having to put the time in, what would you want? What what skill would you want to just jump to that point of, yeah, I have competency? You know, I, I feel like my answers are on a theme and perhaps... This is not as colorful as it could be, but one of my major struggles and challenges in writing music, particularly returning to writing music for other people to perform, is that I don't sight read sheet music. Um, mm-hmm. I, to, in order to figure out what a piece of music is doing, specifically with the notes, is a bit like figuring out hieroglyphics. There's just no way for me to fluidly read them. Um, and it's a thing that I've just decided, like, to develop that skill is not as convenient for the the speed at which I need to work right now. It's not as good of an idea for me right now as just relying on other people, um, and having the, the magic of a MIDI where if I compose, if I notate it on software, it can tell me what it's supposed to sound like. And then someone smarter than me can go in and... Um, fix the accidentals, fix the chord spellings, make it a little bit easier to sight read and perform for anyone who does sight read. But it's just one of those things where I know I could learn it, but the amount of time it would take, I think would cut into the stuff I want to do, which I can do more collaboratively and less self-sufficiently. Yeah. That's a, that's a that's a really nice answer again. Uh, wonderful. I think that's everything we are going to get through today. So thank you very much for joining me. If anyone has come into this and doesn't know your work already, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, sure. So if you like the idea of the music videos, making fun of video games I mentioned, you can find that at youtube.com slash Brentalfloss. Though I will warn you that as they go backward in time, I get closer to my... Um, my roots of growing up in Texas in the 80s and you can hear mm. certain certain takes on certain on certain things that are not how I feel now. So if you're cringing at something from five, ten years ago, so am I. Um, <laughs> uh, Trends Like These, the podcast, can be found on Twitter at Trends Like These. Um, and Use Your Words, the party game, you can find out more at useyourwords.lol. And if you are a Trekkie, who is interested, or if you're otherwise interested, in my Star Trek show, which is called Khan the Musical. Uh, you can find out more about that at my semi-secret treehouse club at twitter.com slash U-A-S-T-P-M. Wonderful. Uh, that, that'll do us for this week. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll have another episode soon. Bye.